0: Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey.
1: Hello, it's Paul Byron by the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam here. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA.
2: Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the I'm.
0: This is Alexis Lafrenière of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior.
2: They were the best in the QMJHL, and now the Huskies are Memorial Cup
0: champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is
2: ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions.
0: The World Juniors. Time winding down,
2: and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style.
0: The NHL Draft.
1: With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes.
0: And more. Unbelievable. Wow. That's incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right.
2: Good morning and welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming. Thanks. If you are a returning listener, uh, thanks for coming back to the show and getting this week's episode. If you are a newcomer to the program, uh, then welcome to the Pipeline Show. Uh, things are getting weird uh, as, let's be honest, this is a hockey show. We talk about hockey prospects uh, and there is no hockey being played. In fact, there are no sports being played. So we are in uh, very much uncharted territory uh, and uh, you kind of wonder what the... Uh, what we do moving forward here at the Pipeline Show, but the show will continue, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But as always, we start with the uh, the question of the week, and uh, this week, well, I threw up the question of the week really early in the week, uh, looking ahead to this uh, coming weekend. And uh, well, with how quickly things have changed, it's, um, it's kind of a moot point now, but the question uh, at the start of the week was in regards to uh, Bob Ridley, the uh, longtime voice of the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers. In fact, the only voice they've ever had, 50 years behind the microphone for the legendary Bob Ridley. He was set to call game number 4,000 this weekend. Obviously, that has now been cancelled, but uh, the question earlier this week was uh, what was most impressive about his story and his career so far. The fact that he's only missed one game, one game in 50 years. That is amazing, and it was actually not due to illness or anything like that. The uh, station that he was working for very early on. Uh, sent him to cover a uh, curling tournament. So he ended up missing one uh, Tigers game. So it wasn't even by choice or anything that he had control over. So one game in 50 years, that's unbelievable. Then you uh, add to the fact that uh, not only was he calling the games, but he was also for the longest time the bus driver for the team. So the Tigers are playing in Saskatoon. Well, he drives that, whatever it is, five, six hours uh, to Saskatoon, then spends three hours behind the microphone, and then six hours back to Medicine Hat or to the next town, wherever they were playing. That's unbelievable to me. And, uh, you, you know, I every once in a while, I'll drive down to Red Deer and uh, and call a game with uh, Andrew Peart or Corey Graham. Uh, and, uh, you know, I fall asleep on the way home, and that's only an hour and a half away. So uh, the fact that Bob Ridley was uh, driving the bus for the longest time and then calling a game and then getting back into the bus, uh, it's mind-blowing to me so uh, those two facts and I also jokingly added that uh, he's much better looking uh, than his uh, son Bob Ridley Jr who is the team dentist for the Edmonton Oil Kings also my dentist but uh, I was very much looking forward to uh, game 4000 for uh, Rids and I know a lot of other people were as well and that's just one of the just one of the games and one of the moments that has been uh, delayed at least as uh, the the, well, the, sport world in, the sporting world in general, not just the Canadian Hockey League or the NCAA or uh, the CJHL or the USHL, everybody has uh, at least put, pushed the pause button uh, on their seasons. Hopefully, you know, in two or three weeks we're, uh, we get back to playing and the leagues can finish their seasons or just kind of pick up where they left off and, and maybe start the playoffs then or whatever they decide to do. But hopefully, you know, the whole thing doesn't get scrapped and uh, we can get back to normal sooner as opposed to later. I put that question out on Twitter, by the way, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, uh, then you can at TPS underscore gi. So now what does a hockey show do without hockey? Well, this week's show, this week's episode, all these e- the interviews that you'll hear today were actually done very early in the week, uh, three of them on Tuesday, one of them on Wednesday, and then that's when things went off the rails here in real life. And so all of these interviews, well, obviously I'm not going to not share them. uh, But moving forward, will I have to change what I do? Yeah, probably, because we're not talking about current events. But thankfully, the Pipeline Show isn't really a news show. It's not bringing you, you know, up to speed on what's happening. You know, like most of the conversations, and what I'm trying to say is most of the conversations that I have aren't time sensitive. Um, so, can I still keep doing 2020 draft spotlight segments and introducing uh, listeners to uh, players who are up for the NHL draft? Yes, I should still be able to do those as long as you know that teams are still able to set up interviews with players. That would be that'd be my plan at least is to continue doing things like that. I can still talk to play-by-play guys uh, and uh, and media people. We just wouldn't be talking necessarily about uh, upcoming games or how the team has been playing, but. Maybe we do a little bit more personal stories and, you know, talk to people about uh, their involvement and uh, and their personal interactions, how they do their jobs. And if you have requests for any specific people like that, like, I mean, I had Bob Ridley on the show last year and we talked about, you know, his career. But if there was something like that with somebody else, uh, then please let me know. And and uh, this would be the perfect time to, to bring those stories to light, so to speak. I look at the calendar and really, July is the only month of the year where there's not a whole lot going on in the world of uh, hockey prospects. Well, right now, it's July in March and could be July in April and you know, knock on wood, hopefully not uh, beyond that, but uh, we will see where things go. but uh, uh yes, there will still be episodes of the pipeline show every week. Uh, they might not be as long. they might not have four or five guests like they normally do. They might have two guests or one guest or but we'll. We'll continue to uh, produce content and uh, hopefully uh, be entertaining and informative uh, with uh, with what I can share with you. So that, that would be my uh, goal moving forward. All the guests that you here on the Pipeline Show join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, the brewery in Red Deer, Alberta, uh, that produces some uh, absolutely delicious craft beers. Uh, you can get the uh, Taster Pack. It's got the Golden Gates and the Pesky Pig and the Bucktooth Belgian White. The open road American Brown Ale, all of them are delicious, and uh, other flavors as well. The is one of my personal favorite, and if you're in the uh, Red Deer area, you can get Rebels Red. And when you drive through Red Deer, you can uh, stop by the tap room. They have a lot more right on location there that uh, that they that I'm still looking forward to uh, being able to sample. Uh, and now with this uh, the CHL stoppage, the uh, that home and home against the Rebels at the end of the year won't be going on, at least not yet so that trip down to Red Deer that, that I was looking forward to, to get to the tap room myself, well, that also uh, on delay. So the four guests that I uh, have on the show for you this week will start with a 2020 draft spotlight. Uh, I spoke with uh, Braden Schneider, defenseman with the Brandon Wheat Kings, talked to him on a Tuesday morning. Of course, a lot of this is, you know, looking ahead to the uh, the playoff chase and, and what happens uh, down the stretch. All of that now a moot point, but. If you're a, a frequent listener of the show, you know the draft spotlight segments are mostly uh, a bio on the player, so we get to know the player, and uh, so you'll get to know uh, Braden Schneider uh, to lead off this week's show. Then I uh, will have a conversation with uh, Mark Russell, who's a former WHLer, played for the Medicine Hat Tigers for four years. Well, he is, uh, well, currently... Out on the East Coast with the University of New Brunswick Reds, they were the number one ranked team going into the weekend as this was the University Cup weekend. Eight teams, uh, the top eight teams, to get out to uh, Halifax to compete for the U Sports uh, National Championship. And and the the Reds were the number one seed. Uh, They were expected to play tonight against UBC. The games yesterday on Thursday actually went. Uh, And after those games, That's when the plug was pulled uh, on the tournament. So that also has been scrapped now. But uh, you get to know uh, Mark Russell and uh, his journey to the U-Sport level. In fact, uh, when he started thinking about U-Sport and, and of course, his time in Medicine Hat, he does have some great stories about Bob Ridley in there as well. Uh, Then Nate Owen, who is a a writer with USCHO, I called on him to uh, preview the ECAC tournament. Which, as I think everybody knows, has also been uh, cancelled. But a little college hockey talk from uh, Tuesday of this week. And uh, my final guest today is a scout with HockeyProspect.com. We do it uh, throughout the year. Ben Wilkins is uh, my guest name. He uh, is right here in the Edmonton area. So we talk a lot about uh, WHLers uh, in the Eastern Conference. I think we go through about a half a dozen guys. And then we talk about three guys in the Alberta Junior Hockey League of note as well. They all happen to be in the Edmonton area. Uh, so lots of uh, hockey talk on the show today. Some of it will be uh, dated now because of uh, what has transpired here this week, but a lot of it's still very much relevant uh, and moving forward, uh, keeping an eye on the, uh, the 2020 NHL draft. So we will kick off the show with that draft spotlight. Here from Braden Schneider of the Brandon Wheat Kings. First up, here on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, it's Jake Navers from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Sawchuck. Here comes Neighbors driving wide, backhander,
3: scores! What a shot! Oh,
0: Jake Neighbors, backhander on the rush, it's 4-3 Edmondson.
2: And you're listening to the
1: Pipeline Show.
0: Your Edmonton Oil Kings are bringing playoff hockey to Rogers Place. Secure your seat for every single home game during the 2020 WHL playoffs. Get your Oil Kings
2: playoff pass now for only $125 per seat, which includes a bonus 2019-2020 regular season game voucher. The
0: more we play, the less you pay. Don't miss a moment of playoff action. Purchase your Edmonton Oil Kings WHL playoff pass today at oilkings.ca. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save
2: on day of game Pricing now at oilkings.ca.
0: You're listening to the Pipeline Show. That's right. Now, say my name. With Guy Flaming. You're goddamn right.
2: Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. That's me, and we're going to turn on the 2020 draft spotlight in this segment. And uh, one of the top-ranked guys out of the Western Hockey League is going to be my guest. That means it's an in the dub segment. And those, of course, brought to you by Dubnetwork.ca. So you can stay up day on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by bookmarking uh, Dubnetwork uh, on your browser. And you can also subscribe to get your daily dose of the Dub. Then it, uh, there's a daily update that gets emailed right to you. You don't even have to look for it. Uh, Dubnetwork.ca. My guest is uh, Braden Schneider from the brand of Wheat Kings. Uh, and uh, the uh, playoff push uh, right in the middle of it there are the Wheat Kings. And uh, still fighting for... Uh, Home ice advantage in the first round and potentially top spot in the East Division. So, lots to talk about. Uh, Braden, welcome to the pipeline show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, but, uh, there's, like I said, there's lots going on for, for you and the team right now. It's got to be exciting times though with the playoffs right around the corner and a, a real good battle here for positioning in, inside the division.
3: Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, uh, been a, a busy second, second half here for us and, uh, we've, been going up and I think that's exactly what you want before going heading into the playoffs here so exciting it's uh, it's big and uh, can't really get it going
2: You had a big weekend series last weekend against the, the uh, Raiders uh, you got one point out of a home at home series uh, I'm sure you would have liked to have uh, gotten more than that but uh, what did you learn about PA in that weekend series and uh, you still got time to catch them here in the in the final few games of the year
3: I think the biggest thing we learned about about them is that they're a team that's pretty hard to play in their to play and to beat in their building, and I think we learned as a group because we ended up taking a win in the hard houses that one of the nights. So I think uh, being able to beat them in their building before the playoffs and was a big thing for us, and we learned a lot. We learned how to we have to be ready for the second night for sure, and and yeah, it, it's exciting.
2: The other team uh, that you're battling with right now for playoff seeding is the Winnipeg Ice. They are right on your heels, uh, just one point back as uh, you and I are speaking uh, right now. And you have a home and home against them to close out the regular season. So, uh, a great—I uh, mean, it goes right down to the wire. Or at least it potentially it could. The head-to-head battles between the Wheat Kings and the uh, the Winnipeg Ice—how has that gone so far this year?
3: So far this year, it's been—I think everything that you would have expected from. Uh, provincial rivalry It's uh, mm. their closest trip, and I've regained that. And it's always been an aggressive and mean, mean time every time we've played them. And I think uh, the last two games against them are going to be the two biggest games of the year. Try and get home ice against them. So it's a, it's a there's huge four points, and it's, it's been nothing but fun.
2: Yeah, if the playoffs started tomorrow, that would be the first-round matchup, uh, Brandon and Winnipeg. Great way to start that uh, that rivalry since uh, Kootenai moved to to Winnipeg, for sure. Uh, Brayden, the Weekings have been playing really good hockey in the second half, especially gone up the standings, and uh, and now you're where you are. What's gone right uh, for the Weekings here in the last uh, couple of months?
3: I think that after the Christmas break, everyone realized what roles had to be played to get the job done and we added a couple a bit of toughness on into our lineup and I think that's done us well and uh, yeah we've become a harder team to play against and we we found our niche as to how we need to play every night to win.
2: Uh, I was fortunate a couple weeks ago uh, the Oil Kings were in Brandon to to uh, play the Weekings. I was able to, to be at that game and it was the first time I'd been able to watch the game in Brandon. I was really impressed with your squad that night. Probably the best game that I'd I'd seen uh, between you and the Oil Kings at least this year, and you won that game four-one, and quite honestly, made it look easier probably than it than it was on the ice. But when you're able to knock off uh, the teams that are at the top of the conference like that, that's got to really uh, spread confidence around the room. Is that fair to say?
3: Yes, for sure it does. I mean, Edmonton is a is a great team, and they've proven that all year. And I think yeah, to be able to to prove ourselves and proved uh the conference and whatnot that we can we're a, team to, we're a team to sleep on and that we can bring it whenever we're ready to go we can bring it every night and we can beat anyone so i think uh being able to get that out of the way and get some confidence within the room is was huge
2: Braden schneider of the brandon wheat kings is my guest here in the 2020 draft spotlight segment uh on the pipeline show this week and uh Braden, not everybody that's hearing this interview right now is uh, going to be a WHL fan. There's my audience is across North America, so there'll be people in uh, parts uh, that are listening to this that have never seen the We Kings play, have never maybe uh, have heard of uh, Braden Schneider. So uh, let's get a bit of background, if you don't mind. Uh, where are you from?
3: I'm from uh, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. I've uh, played most of my minor hockey there, and I was drafted by the We Kings in the Bantam Draft, and I've spent the last couple of years playing in
2: Brandon. It's funny that you're on the other side of that rivalry now with with Prince Albert. Uh, I don't know if you, when you were a kid, did you go to lots of Raider games?
3: I did for sure. When I was a kid and first started paying attention to the Raiders, it was when Idol and Morrissey were playing for them. So I got a, a pretty good experience watching them. And, and yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool to be able to play against them and uh, have a good rivalry with them.
2: You're making me feel old. That doesn't seem all that long ago to me, and you, you make it sound like it was uh, that long ago. Uh, Braden Schneider uh, is my guest, and uh, uh, you, you mentioned the the Bantam Draft. Uh, you were taken 12th overall that year. Uh, what was that, 2016? Uh, you are a late birthday, so a bit different than uh, most of the guys in, uh, in the NHL Draft class this year, but um, you didn't have to wait all that long to hear your name called, but What was Bantam Draft Day like for you? Were you at school and following along? Did you get to stay home from school or how did you spend that morning?
3: Oh, I was, my parents were lucky. I was lucky enough to get to stay at home for the first part of the day to watch it unfold a little bit. But yeah, I was at home and I was expecting to go to PA, I think, with the 13th pick and uh, ran and traded up and ended up taking me right before them. So it was a, it was pretty cool, pretty exciting, and then uh, ended up going to school after that.
2: Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because I'd, I'd heard the same thing and I wanted to kind of touch base with, with you on that. But being a PA kid and it looked like it, it, you were going to be the Raiders pick and then suddenly you go to one of their divisional rivals, what was your immediate thought being, I'm assuming, a Raider fan at that point?
3: Well, it, it would have been cool to be drafted by your hometown team. I mean, that that's what, what I've grown up watching. That's what I've grown to. To enjoy so, but the, go to Brandon and I think that it, it, it did well for me and was a better, better thing for me to happen. And mm. uh, yeah, I got to get to enjoy the whole junior experience away from home, and I'm I'm glad it's unfolded like that.
2: Uh, Braden, were you always a defenseman as a kid growing up, or did you uh, did you play other positions at some point?
3: I was a centerman when I first started when I was really young, and then there's a had a bit of a phase where I wanted to be a goalie. I was a Luongo fan, and then turned out, and then Dad didn't let me do that, so I ended up being a defenseman after that, so I got a bit of it all.
2: So you almost ended up being on the blue line uh, as a, not by default, but by, uh, not necessarily your first choice. uh, uh, How long before you felt comfortable being a defenseman?
3: When I was younger, I think the reason I got put on defense was because I was better at skating backwards than kids at the time. (laughs) Right. So my team ended up just throwing me on the, the back end. and it, it, it proved to do me well.
2: It's worked out pretty well for you uh, to this point, uh, Braden. Um, yeah. How much of, about the draft have you been uh, thinking about? I mean, I talked to players on the show, uh, and uh, a lot of them will say they, they try not to think about the NHL draft at all because it could be a, a bit of a distraction. But then there are guys who say that they look to see where they're ranked and stuff all the time because they use that as motivation. You know, they might see themselves – where you are in the middle of the first round, and, and say, well, I want to be a top ten guy. So uh, they use that to fuel the fire a little bit. Um, uh, how about for you, Braden? Are, are you a guy? Uh, which which camp are you in? I'm, uh, I am. I
3: I do see. I do notice the rankings and whatnot. And I when they come out, I take a quick peek. But I I'm a guy that tries not focused on it too much. I try to focus on our our team as much as I can and improving things that. I was, I, was, I think I need to improve on. So I just I, I take a peek to see where I'm at, to see if it's improving. But And that's about it for me. And then I try to focus on team success before a lot of that.
2: Well, this is your third year in the WHL. You had 22 points as a rookie and, and 24 points uh, last year and in slightly fewer games. But now a big jump up to, right now, 42 points this year. Uh, what's the big difference for you? Or is that just sort of a natural thing as you get... Uh, a little bit uh, older and more mature uh, that those points naturally come?
3: Well, I think the, the first two years I focused a lot on developing my defense as part of my game. And uh, with with uh, limited opportunity, the WHL is a, is a tough league to play. I and mean, then mm-hmm. I think you have to earn all your opportunity. And this year I was fortunate enough to be given extra opportunity and given extra minutes to to thrive so I think with added confidence and opportunity it's almost kind of I wanted to improve on my offensive numbers a bit this year so I think yeah the way it's developed out it's worked out well for me
2: For uh, the audience uh, the people in the audience who maybe have never seen the Brandon Weekings play and and have never had a chance to watch you play can you give us a a bit of a self-scouting report what sort of a player do you see yourself as
3: I I like to see myself as a a two-way guy. I I take a lot more, not a lot more. I take pride in both ends of the ice. But I take a lot of pride in my defensive game and being hard to play against, and being simple and making a good first pass. And I rely a lot on my skating and physical play to to do that. So I think I'm a two-way guy who likes to play the game hard and competitive.
2: There's another defenseman in the WHL in in, uh, in Caden Gooley. Uh, that's uh, in PA, and you guys are kind of ranked very, very uh, close together. I think Central Scouting has you guys are uh, uh, actually back to back in their rankings right now. And off the top of my head, I just had him on the show. I don't know, last week or the week before. I th- I picture him as an offensive guy, and you more of a stay at home guy. But you actually have more points than he does this year in fewer games. Uh, but when you say you t- you take you know a specific pride in your defensive style, wh- when you have a chance to see other defensemen of this draft class, uh, including Gouli, I suppose, what what's different about you? What kind of sets you apart, or how do you play the game that might be different than those guys?
3: I uh, I obviously all the defensemen in this draft are all great players, and I think the thing that separates me from them would be I'm I'm more of in how, like I, I have the extra year of experience, so I guess I could say I'm a little bit more experienced, and in, in the sense that I play the game a little bit more matured. But other than that, I don't think there's too many things that set us apart. And I'd say I'm just I'm I'm hard to play against, and I might be a little mature with the extra added year of being a late birthday in the draft.
2: I thought you might say uh, it might be the physical uh, style because uh, you you do like to play physical, don't you?
3: Yeah, I do, and I guess you could say that too. Uh,
2: now I had a chance to watch you at the Holinka Gretzky Cup here in Edmonton a couple of summers ago. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Because you were younger than a lot of the guys uh, in the in the tournament that year, uh, but you still played a pretty big and important role on the team.
3: Yeah, I mean it was it was a it was a really fun experience and uh to, to meet the guys going into the draft that year and to play with players across canada and meet all those great players it was, it was a really cool experience and to be able to take home goals for your country is always always something really special
2: now no nhl team in saskatchewan obviously so as a kid growing up in uh, in northern saskatchewan and prince albert did you have a favorite nhl team or were you a guy that maybe looked at individual players more and it wasn't necessarily the team that you uh identified with but uh Specific guys,
3: I, I I have had auntie in Calgary and and relatives in DC, so I always paid attention to that. Seems like the Flames or the Canucks, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a big Luongo fan, like I said earlier. Right, and uh, yeah, then I, mean, I paid attention to guys like Drew Doughty, who um, have had great careers so far.
2: No, in any way, do you sort of look at a player like Doughty and say that? man, I could maybe potentially play similar style? Or or do you, I mean, he's a pretty offensive-minded guy as well, uh, but physical and, and certainly good in his own end. So is he a, a bit of a role model, I guess, if you want to put it that way?
3: I, I guess you could put it that way, but I, I think I model my my game after uh, like more of a guy like Shea Weber, who, who's a bit bigger, a bit more physical and plays a lot simpler than Doughty. But yeah, Doughty's a great player
2: for sure. All right. Well, Weber, solid WHL guy as well. Yeah. Uh, Brayden, listen, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, good luck the rest of the way this regular season and into the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be exciting times around the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, franchise. Thanks for taking some time today. Good luck. Thanks for giving
3: me a call. Thank you very much.
2: Here's Braden Schneider of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, that conversation from uh, Tuesday earlier this week, uh, of course, uh, the uh, games and the playoffs, everything uh, in the WHL, across the Canadian Hockey League, across North America, uh, on hold. So, uh, all those uh, playoff races and stuff that we were discussing, uh, well, those are out the window. But uh, Braden Schneider, one of the top players out of the Western Hockey League for the NHL draft, one of the top defensemen in the class of 2020. Good combination of a uh, size and a skill and the and quickness as well. He is not a, uh, he's not a he's not a slow plodding player. Put it that way. I was really impressed actually with the Wheat Kings. The game that I was out in Brandon, the uh, on that night they handled the Oil Kings fairly fairly well. It was a four one win for Brandon on that night. Uh, you can hear a scout's opinion of uh, Braden Schneider a little bit later on in the show uh, this episode. But uh, coming up next, we will. Here from a player, another former WHL player, played uh, all four of his uh, WHL years with the Medicine Hat Tigers, is now in year two at the U-Sport level, and he's playing on the East Coast in, at the University of New Brunswick in Fredericton, New Brunswick, with the, uh, the Reds, no longer the Varsity Reds. And uh, he was on his way, actually had just arrived in Halifax, this conversation again, uh, also on Tuesday this week. As the University Cup was uh, set to go this weekend, uh, the UNB Reds were to take on the UBC Thunderbirds tonight. That, of course, has been scrapped. But get to know Mark Russell and uh, what led him to New Brunswick. He looks back at his time in Medicine Hat with the uh, WHL's Tigers. Uh, some great Bob Ridley stories in here as well. So uh, we'll share that with you next here on The Pipeline Show. One, two, three, four. Penalty
0: is over. Center coming in as Lou center Hey, it's Lanny McDonald, formerly of the Medicine Hat Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
4: From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A hockey is officially back. For the 2019-2020 season, with all the action taking place at the Grant Fuhr Arena in Spruce Grove, with tickets starting at just fifteen dollars per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegroveSaints.ca.
0: You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
2: The cream will rise to the top,
3: oh yeah, the cream of the crop, nobody does it better.
2: Back on the Pipeline Show and uh, a big weekend at the U-Sport level as you got the uh, the Nationals, uh, the National Championship going this weekend. You got eight teams all uh, converging in on Halifax, uh, Acadia, the uh, host club. Uh but the number 1 ranked team coming in this weekend is uh, the University of New Brunswick, uh, UNB always a tough team and uh, one of the players from UNB is joining me now, Mark Russell formerly of the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, Mark, welcome uh, to the Pipeline Show. How are you?
1: Doing good. Hey, thanks for having me.
2: A uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you and just for the listeners benefit, uh, as you and I are speaking it's uh, Tuesday and hectic travel day for uh, for you and the club to to get uh, to Halifax and You were telling me it's about a four, four four-hour drive normally um, from Fredericton to get to. uh, So how long did it take you today?
1: It took us about uh, four and a half, five hours today. We were originally scheduled to leave uh, middle of the afternoon, but uh, ended up leaving about 9 a.m. this morning to try to beat the storm. But we ended up just driving right in a nice little maritime freezing rainstorm. So nothing we're not used to, but yeah, definitely slowed down the travel a little bit.
2: How many former Dub guys do you have on the team other than you?
1: other than me just two other dub guys we have uh joe gadman who played in uh uh kamloops in Kelowna, and then our goalie uh rather played in, uh pa and tri city
2: that's right uh and so when everybody else is complaining about the long bus drive uh, do you guys kind of chuckle and uh educate them a little bit on what the whl was like
1: yeah de- definitely one of the best parts about coming out here is uh our longest trip being about four hours um yeah the guys will complain about their their bus ride and not being comfy, and then I'm just reminded the day is going to brand into the middle of uh middle of a February storm and I just kind of laugh about that
2: all right well the big uh, the big event gets going on uh Thursday this week, but uh, you guys play on a uh, Friday, so that's actually when the show will come out so this will kind of be a perfect timing for that uh you're taking on UBC so a lot of former WHL guys on the other side of the rink. Uh, that you get to play against but uh, when you have an event like this and it's a team that you don't play how do you kind of get prepared for a, a game like that or is it all about just focusing on what your team does
1: it's definitely a little bit of both i think for us to be successful we have to focus on on what we do best but at the same time i mean i was in our coach's office the other day and he was asking me about former players uh Joe Gadney and i were in their office sorry and we were Kind of going through their lineup and trying to remember everything about all the the former Western League guys we used to play against, just to try to get you know a little a uh, little advantage, just to know what's coming at us. But you know a little bit of video on the other team, but mostly just focus on what we do best. And I think that's kind of the way to approach events like this.
2: Now they changed the format uh, for the uh, the national championship. Uh, what about? This? four or five years ago I guess and instead of having I think it used to be six teams and it was, kind of went by seeding now you've got eight and it's a bracket and it's a single knockout bracket you like that change
1: yeah the change I'm obviously I wasn't around for for the old format but you know yeah. last year it seemed to work out you know well for for UMB so I'm not going to complain about the format
2: <laughs> right now yeah no kidding all right well tell me about your team and uh, sort of I mean you are the number one ranked team coming into this event so uh, everybody uh, every other club is gunning for you guys uh, well, what makes you guys uh, that strong? What's, what's the strengths of your team?
1: I think it's just our depth. I mean, if you, if you go up and down our roster, you can't really figure out like, who our first or who our fourth line is. Uh, you look at the junior careers of the guys that come to UMB, and they're all you know, pretty successful guys on the verge of you know, pro contracts that decide to you know, utilize the WHL scholarship or the O or the Q scholarships that they have and, and then end up going to school. And, you know, it's a bunch of good players that, you know, they're, most of us probably try to go pro after the career. So it's guys that want to keep keep living the dream while getting an education with it. So, you know, we have a lot of great forwards, you know, heavy forward depth, and our speed is is what really kills teams. And It's just kind of uh, – we just keep coming and coming and coming, and eventually we'll wear teams down.
2: And you can't uh, have success at a, in, a, in the playoffs without strong net mining, and you're getting that as well. Um, so you've got the strengths in it at all positions. When at what point in your career, and I guess it would be when did the, the U Sports start coming into focus for you, and how eventually did you end up in New Brunswick? Uh,
1: I actually, when I was 15, I was thinking about U Sports just because uh, I wasn't a hot and sought-after prospect. So mm-hmm. when signing a WHL contract, I thought to myself, "Well, look at this. I play a couple years in the Western League, and I get to play. You know, I'm guaranteed to get a scholarship and get to play more hockey after. So that was that was everything for me, getting the free education. But then uh, yeah, your 20-year-old year is usually when they start talking to you. And UMB, I think they first called me in, in uh, January, or February. I remember I was talking to Dylan T- Taylor, one of our uh, one of our executives, and he called me while we were waiting for the ferry to go to Victoria. So we had about an hour wait, and I was sitting outside in the rain because the guys were rousing me. So I was sitting in the rain talking to Dylan Taylor about UMB, and, and obviously uh, conversations talked in, into the summer. I uh, talked to a lot of different schools, a lot of maritime schools, and you know, schools all across the country, and ultimately, I settled on UNB just because of the winning history that that comes with this school, and you know, and where it is located in the Maritimes. I wanted to see a different part of the different part of Canada, different culture over here, and and I wanted to I wanted an opportunity to win, and just basically, you know, try something new with uh, with a unique opportunity that I had in front of me.
2: That's amazing. There's so many things that you touched on there. A 15 year old thinking about university hockey at this, you know, before you even get to start your WHL career. That, I, I have to think that's extremely rare. Uh, I like think most guys are still envisioning the NHL at that point. Um, and then you, you decide to go across the country. I had uh, Keanu Yamamoto on the show, uh, I guess, about a month ago, and he said pretty much the same thing, that he wanted to use the U-Sport opportunity to see another part of the world. And uh, that's why he's at, at McGill right now. And then why New Brunswick for you was the right fit when you had probably a lot of teammates who were sticking around and, and playing Canada West and, and um, choosing not to go with some buddies like that, that's, that's all really interesting uh, for me. Um, was there a temptation to, to maybe to stay out West and, you know, I think there are a bunch of guys at the university of Alberta, for example, uh, that were former Tigers, but uh, um, to, to move across the country like that, obviously one out, but was there a temptation to stay closer to home?
1: Yeah, there was definitely a temptation. I mean, basically getting to choose uh, the city that you're going to spend the next four years of your life in is obviously a big life decision. So, you know, I thought about, you know, staying home in Calgary or maybe going up to U of A and joining all the guys up there. But, you know, U of A was going through a coaching change during my recruitment process. um, And I didn't actually talk to them that much. And I looked at their roster and there wasn't actually that much room. So kind of eliminated them early. And then, yeah, I didn't. I kind of just looked at all my options, and like uh, Kianos would have said before me, it's just an opportunity to see a different part of the world. And you know, I uh, I settled on the Maritimes. I thought the AUS is, is obviously a, a strong league at the university level, so I thought I'd be able to continue getting better as a hockey player while uh, getting a degree here. So I uh, I think I made the right decision coming all the way out here. But the, it is a long it is a long travel. It's a long travel day when I'm when I'm flying home for the summer for Christmas.
2: New Brunswick, well, it's my home province, but I grew up in Alberta for the most part. But uh, bilingual province, have you had an opportunity to flex your French, um, I have
1: to take uh, two French classes, a uh, mandatory for my degree because of the, it's a bilingual province. So definitely learning, and then we have about eight or nine French guys from Quebec on our team, so you hear a lot in the room. But I, I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't speak a sentence <laughs> of it coming into it, and I still probably can't speak a sentence now, just because. It's so fast, and uh, friend, the French I'm learning is from France, and the French I hear in the locker room is – I wouldn't even know if it's considered French with all the slang that they use. <laughs>
2: uh, what do you uh, What do you study at, Mark?
1: I'm in uh, business uh, with concentrations in uh, finance and marketing.
2: Okay, very good. Mark Russell from the uh, University of New Brunswick, the uh, Varsity Red- – is it still the Varsity Reds or just the Reds now?
1: Just the Reds now. I had to uh, change that a few years ago.
2: Okay, well, I'm out of date, I guess, Uh uh he's my guest right now as we're looking ahead to the U Sports um, National Championship weekend here. Uh but we're going to look back now and uh, talk a little bit about your WHL career, all of it spent with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh would that have surprised you, you know, if uh, I would have told you as a 15-year-old that you're going to spend your entire career with one team? Uh not many guys get to to do that. Um when you look back, what stands out for you?
1: I uh you know, I loved my years in Medicine Hat. I think one of my uh, fondest memories was right around the trade deadline of my 20-year-old year obviously I was having a good season and uh and Cluey called me in and he said hey there's some teams are kicking tires about you if you want to you know maybe try to go to a contender and chase a championship but uh he and the fact that Cluey even thought to call me in and have the conversation to see what I wanted to do it just spoke volumes of the of the culture medicine had and how much they value loyalty and how much they value their players and, and ultimately I made the decision I wanted to stay and Finish my career where I started in Medicine Hat with all my friends and you know in front of the fans that you know I've grown to love and I hope to think that they loved me at the time too. So I think the loyalty in Medicine Hat was one of the best parts of uh, my junior career.
2: Well, definitely a classy gesture there from uh, Coach Clouston. You mentioned culture, uh, and you can't talk about Medicine Hat and the Tigers without bringing up the name Bob Ridley. Uh, Four thousand games behind the microphone coming up this weekend against the Swift Current Broncos. So much time, I, uh, he's missed one game in 50 years. That's that's ridiculous to me. Uh, and then you throw in that he was also driving the bus for the longest uh, uh, portion of that career as well. Uh, tell me about Bob Ridley, what he, what, uh, what it was like uh, being on the road with him, uh, and some of the stories maybe that you've heard of uh, about him.
1: Uh, he is, uh, well, his name, Bob Ridley, he's synonymous with Tigers hockey. I, I can't even begin to imagine. You know, it's 50 years now, 4,000 games on Saturday of of calling the game he's driving the bus for most of them to and from and i guess in the early years he was driving the bus back from whatever road trip they were on and then having a coffee and going right to the 6 a.m morning shift to the local uh, radio station Amazing. so i don't know how he did it it's incredible but the, i think the best part about that is the one game that he missed is his radio station thought he'd be better off to call a curling match mm-hmm. so i think their radio station is probably kicking kicking themselves knowing what what could have been but the fact he's only missed one over all these years is absolutely incredible. And, you know, I hope it's a special night on Saturday night for, for Ritz. You know, he was uh, he was always like, not, not necessarily a mentor, but just like a huge figure in Medicine Hat. Who was super nice to the young guys coming in. And, and he was a part of explaining what Medicine Hat Tiger culture was, which is kind of odd for a radio guy to do. And usually that'd be a job for, you know, coaches and older players. But he was there. And because he's been there from the start, he just knows so much. So he would help in the process of. I've explained it to the young guys what it meant to be a Tiger. He,
2: he's told me in the past that, you know, on on the longer trips while he was driving, players would have to come and, and you know, sit up at the front and, and just talk to him to make sure, that, you know, he like he didn't start dozing off or something. Because, boy, I mean, the trips in the dub are crazy as it is. But to drive there, call a game, and then drive back, you could understand if a guy was drowsy after that. So, I mean, how many of the guys, would you be one of the guys to take a shift and, and go, go up front and talk to Rids?
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I'd go up and talk to him every once in a while when he was driving, uh, but there's definitely some instances of, you know, when you're sleeping on the bus and you, you get the rumble strips on the side of the road, we used to call them the Ridley strips because that's how we knew he was staying between the lines. He, sometimes if it was stormy, he'd just ride them because he's like, well, I know if I'm on him, I'm on the road. So, so he was funny like that, but, uh, pretty tough to sleep when you're, when you're bumping up and down the whole trip, but, you know, we always got us all safe, and I think that's the most important thing.
2: Oh, that's great. Uh, Mark Russell, uh, former medicine at Tiger, now at the uh, University of New Brunswick Reds, uh, getting set for the uh, national championships uh, this weekend at, uh, at the U-Sport level. I can't let you go without asking you about the, uh, the scholarship package and uh, all the guys that I get on. Uh, always tell me, you know, how how um, easy it is to use and uh, how invaluable it is to not have to worry about the financial part of it. Um, maybe for our listeners who aren't aware, can you just uh, touch on uh, what it's done for you, what it's meant for you?
1: Yeah, that uh, the WHL scholarship it, it means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to uh, you know other foreign players that are, util- uh, that are utilizing it, you know, uh, going to school. You know, having your, you know, not only your tuition but your books and all your uh, other fees that come with university paid for is, it's just a giant stress relief when you you know uh, you don't really got to worry about where the money's coming from to to get your education. You know, especially for families that, you know, come from poorer backgrounds, where if you have an opportunity to sign in the Western League, you know that a huge, uh, huge chunk of money is going to go to the to the school that you know your your son can play at after his career. It's you know, it's an unbelievable. Uh, it's an unbelievable uh, program that the WHL has set up. And I know myself and other former players are very thankful for it. And, and you know, when we utilize it to get our degrees and we're, we're graduating without any student loans or any debt, it's, it's just putting us one step forward ahead in life.
2: Is it easy to use? Like, uh, is, there, is it a complicated process?
1: Um, yeah, the only thing you have to do is, uh, is just send an email every now and then. So it's a very easy to use process. The schools, uh, the school accountants all know what they're doing. Uh, everyone at the WHL head office knows what they're doing when they're sending the money. And, uh, you fill out a couple forms every year, but that's, that's about it. So incredibly easy to use, very simple. And if you do have any questions, there's, there's a hotline call straight to the WHL office and they answer them and obviously very friendly and they answer all your questions if you need them.
2: And I think some casual fans or maybe NHL fans would look at U Sport and think, well, that's the place where failed CHL guys end up to to play down their career. Uh, I haven't watched a, a lot of it myself. I, I know the the quality level of U Sport hockey; it's unbelievable. Do you look at it as, no, this is a continuation that I can further my development here and and turn have the option to turn pro, you know, from where you are right now in two or three years?
1: yeah definitely it's an undervalued league for sure with the with the skill i know a lot of guys you know from junior come in and think they're going to be hot shots because oh they were so close to going pro and you know they're going to school just you know to tear up the league but that doesn't usually end up happening because everyone in the youth sports is you know there are a lot of a major a lot of former major junior players that are that are playing in the league so the way i looked at it is i could uh sign a minor league contract and Play year to year, or I could sign, uh, you know, a four-year thing with with UMB, get a degree, and then go play pro after. And, and you're really playing guilt-free hockey, where if you don't like hockey anymore, you have the degree to fall back on. But if you, you continue to love hockey, you can play for as long as you want. Whereas, you know, guys going the other route, signing the minor league deals right out of junior, uh, eventually after a while, they're going to be too old to want to go back to school, mm-hmm. and they're kind of forced into, you know, signing the one-year deals year after year, and they don't really know what. To do after, so I think the the education program the WHL has is is smart for guys where it provides a smooth transition out of the game when when they choose to retire.
2: Well said, uh, Mark Russell uh, of the UNB Reds uh, getting set to take on UBC on uh, on Friday. Uh, anybody across the way uh, with the Thunderbirds? You're looking forward to button heads with?
1: Uh, definitely Kyle Becker. He was a 20 year old when I was a rookie at Medicine Hat, so. I haven't seen him in a while, but it'd be fun to step on the ice against him again.
2: Excellent. Mark, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this weekend.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Mark Rassel, formerly of the Medicine Hat Tigers, now at the University of New Brunswick Reds. And unfortunately, uh, like everything else, uh, the University Cup has been cancelled or postponed at the very least. Uh, but I believe they've actually cancelled it. It was wrapping up this weekend. I actually thought they might play. Uh, without fans in the building and just get through the weekend and then then it's done you don't have to worry about it anyway but uh, all university sports championships uh, whatever sport it is everything was canceled in the last uh, day or so so Russell was a r- very very good uh, WHL player uh, had 80 points in his final season in the league was captain of the Tigers and uh, really I enjoyed his a uh, look back at his WHL days and of course uh, using his WHL scholarship and why I was at, he's the first player I've ever talked to that said he was thinking of U sports as a 15 year old, never heard that before. Uh, so kudos to him. And maybe that's just a, an indication of how much uh, players nowadays are thinking ahead and how, uh, how well the WHL and the CHL has done in promoting their scholarship package, making it so that players uh, have that uh, plan for after their major junior career is done. All right, next up on the show, we were going to preview the ECAC conference playoffs in the NCAA, of course, scrapped as well. Uh, But uh, my guest is uh, Nate Owen from USCHO. Kind of go through uh, some of the teams and how they were playing and uh, notable players on those teams. You can hear that conversation, uh, also a Tuesday conversation. You can hear that next here on the Pipeline Show.
0: McLaughlin top the right circle, goal line right, pass through the middle, what a good save by Colton Point, and a beauty, man oh man, what a save by Colton.
1: Hi, it's Colton Point from the Colgate Raiders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Passion, talent,
2: development, NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukesteff. scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. Score! And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college
0: hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at college hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I think I'm getting the black lung,
2: Bob. Back on The Pipeline Show in time for an NCAA campus report as we got the playoffs in all six conferences now. Uh, and, of course, that means it's a campus report segment brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or you have a player in your family and you're uh, looking to do or looking to do, uh, figure out what you need to do or what you can't do uh, in terms of uh, maintaining your NCAA eligibility, uh, College Hockey, Inc., a great resource for that. You can get in contact with uh, Mike Snee or Nate Ewell, and they will uh, steer you in the right direction and answer any of the questions that you might have. Uh, my guest today is coming to us from USCHO, uh, U.S. College Hockey Online, and uh, uh, my guest is Nate Owen, covers the ECAC, and that's the conference we're going to look at uh, this week. Uh, Nate, welcome back to the show. How are you?
4: All right. Oh, good. Thanks for
2: having me on. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you uh, once again. An exciting time of year uh, as uh, playoffs uh, at all levels of hockey, pretty much uh, underway now except Major Junior in the NHL and uh, I guess the American Hockey League. But uh, for us uh, in this segment, we're looking at the ECAC. We're down to eight teams as the corner finals get set this weekend uh, and some pretty good matchups uh, that we should expect here this weekend and then getting into the semis next weekend and the final as well. Uh, You are going to be, where would you say you were going to be? At right? Quinnipiac?
4: Yeah, I'll be at uh, Quinnipiac, Yale this weekend. That's the closest to where I am.
2: They're taking on uh, Yale, the uh, Bobcats, the number three ranked team uh, left. Now, how do you uh assess this matchup?
4: I think it's a matchup, that, to be honest, if you're asking me back in December, I didn't think it would be taking place. Um, You had Yale really get after a rough start out of the gate. I mean, they were, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they were giving up close to four goals a game. Maybe averaging one goal a game, and they've they've since turned around a little bit. Um, they've been playing playing pretty well over the second half. Um, they have a couple of guys up front. Curtis Hall, he's a and Bruins draft pick. He's a pretty dynamic player. Um, he plays in a lot of different situations, as well as a guy um, Justin Pearson, who's also emerged this year as another um, scoring threat. Yeah, uh, I can that too. They got off to kind of a rough start. Um, they lost a lot of players from uh, last year's team. It's very competitive. And I believe they have, of the, all the NCAA teams, they have the most under, underclassmen on their roster. So they've kind of had a lot of ups and downs throughout the season, even within some games. But they've been playing um, really well the last second half of the season, and they've vaulted all the way up to, uh, to get a first-round bye in the league, which, again, was something I, I would not have expected back in December. A um, you know, big reason for that turnaround has been uh, Keith Petruzzelli in goal. He's a junior. He was a Detroit draft pick. Uh, he came in as a true 18-year-old freshman, uh, I believe, and it's taken a little while to establish himself. But now, um, in his third year, he's kind of showing that promise and has really played very well down the stretch. And that's a, a big reason for their for their turnaround the yeah. second half of the year.
2: Elliot, a monster in that too, six foot five uh, goaltender, so got that classic height that uh, a lot of NHL teams are looking for. There are three other players uh, with Quinnipiac uh, drafted, including uh, Skylar Brindamore, who is uh, an Oiler pick. I'm here in Edmonton, so uh, a lot of uh, local fans would have an interest in him. I had uh, Peter Diliberto on the uh, show uh, earlier this year, right before the World Junior Championship, when he was uh, at camp uh, with Team Canada. These are these are key guys for uh, the Bobcats if they're going to have success
4: yeah um Brendan Moore, he's been playing more of like a third line I believe he's their third or fourth line center um he's been playing more of like a kind of a bottom six role but he's he's their top guy in a penalty kill unit um which is you know obviously important come playoffs um so he's maybe not playing up the scoring numbers this year but he's a pretty key part um of their team and uh de Vittori, uh is you know key guy in the power play uh, i believe he plays in a top defensive uh unit as well so he's used definitely an important important uh player of the team. This is a team that lost a lot of uh, defensive from last year, including Chase Grisky, who is a uh, mm-hmm. Kobe trick finalist. So having him uh, come back, he's really one of the only few um, veteran uh, returners. And another guy, too, um, Carlos Drisky who is a uh, San Jose uh, draft pick. So really, those two guys are the only uh, veterans they brought back on defense after losing uh, a lot of the players last offseason.
2: Nate, do you see an upset at all in the uh, in this this round of uh uh, the ecac playoffs it's a it's a best of three um in the other three series you got Princeton going up against cornell and the big red are the the one of the top ranked teams in the entire country uh, harvard is playing against rpi who have been hot here as of late that could actually be a a pretty interesting series and colgate uh, gets to play clarkson do you see an upset or do you see the home team winning all four series
4: um, you know, I could see the only one I wouldn't see going to an upset would be Princeton Cornell. I know Princeton just went the road, road, excuse me, and knocked off Dartmouth as the, uh, the 11 taking down the sixth seed in the, uh, the first round of the playoffs. But, you know, Princeton is a team that's really struggled all year. They won two games last weekend and they had won two conference games all season. So I wouldn't see any team taking down Cornell uh, in the league. I think it's their league to win, but especially Princeton just given, you know, the struggles they've had this year. But as far as, RPI-Harvard goes. I mean, Harvard is a team that has a ton of talent, and they kind of slid the last weekend of the year. They slid into that, that fifth-place spot and just missed the first round by. Um, so they're certainly a team that could, could erupt and, you know, has intent to score a bunch of goals. But RPI, too, also has a very good goaltender in that um, Owen Savory. In fact, I believe uh, over the second half of the year, he's had – I forget the exact number, but he's had probably a 950 in that range, 8%. So he's an absolute lights out. Um, and they have a senior defenseman, Will Riley, who is a uh, Pittsburgh Penguins draft uh, pick. He's been playing very well, too. So I don't think RPI has the um, offensive firepower to Matt M- 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 Harvard, but they certainly have um, very good defensive pieces. They're playing very well um, as a team right now. And as far as the other ones, um, Clarkson and Colgate, I think that will be kind of a low-scoring uh, series. Um, I'm just not sure if Colgate has enough offense to uh, to upset Clarkson. Uh, Clarkson's not really a high-scoring team either. But they play very well defensively and they have, um, excuse me, they have the, uh, I believe the top DK unit in the nation and their power play is up there as well. Then Yale, Quinnipiac, um, again, I think Keith Jelly might be a difference in that series. You know, I could certainly see that going in three games. Um, but, uh, Yale has not beat Quinnipiac, uh, this season and I'm just not sure if they can, they can pull it off, um, you know, in the playoffs here.
2: Okay, I didn't mean to make you jump around. Let's go back to the Cornell and Princeton series for a second. And and you mentioned Cornell should run away with this series, and and it's really their conference to uh, to lose. Why? What makes the Big Red so tough this year? And who are some of the standouts on that club?
4: Just for years, they kind of got pigeonholed. The Cornell that is that pigeonhole is this big, slow, you know, non-size, not not much of a skating team. Um, they changed that the last couple of years. Really going, probably going back three or four years where they. They still keep that size, but they have a lot of guys who can skate um, as well. So they still have that physicality, um, and they're they're able to to skate as well. Um, one guy to keep eyeing that on that team is uh, Morgan Barron, He's a uh, New York Rangers draft pick. Um you know, his offensive numbers are very good. They're up there with some of the other guys in the league. But the thing about him is he plays in a ton of different situations, and uh, you know he's got a great shot. But he also does a lot of things in the PK um, and power play as well. Yeah,
2: and Morgan Barron, Canadian from Nova Scotia, he was uh, the Team's top player and uh, their goaltender, also a Canadian, Matthew Galida. Who, uh, all right, let's go to uh, the the next series in that Harvard and, and RPI one. This one is to me, it's interesting, and I I think it could go three games. And you mentioned how RPI has come on here in the second half. Uh, and another guy that you didn't mention uh, from that team is Todd Burgess, who leads them in scoring now and just was shooting the lights out over the last month or so.
4: Yeah, he's a guy, um, I believe, he's an Ottawa draft pick. Um, yeah. You know, kind of didn't do too much uh, numbers wise his first three years, but I believe he had a four goal game, uh, not in the playoffs, but the last regular season uh, weekend. So he had he finishing strong. And obviously, RPI is not a, not a huge scoring team. So you have that one guy who can kind of carry you through the playoffs and couple that with good goaltending. Certainly, that's a, a pretty good uh, recipe for success here.
2: All right, but if they're going to win this game, you think they got to keep it low scoring? You know, they don't want to get into a track meet with Harvard. Cause- yeah,
4: I don't think they can get into a track meet with Harvard, um, just because you let those guys do that. You know, that's that's their style of game. Um, so if they kind of slow it down a little bit, and obviously with a good goaltender and good defense, it's that's kind of, conducive to play to um, that. And Harvard, they have a very good um, top defending pair, top defensive pair, excuse me, and um, Riley Wallace and Jack Rathbone. Those guys do a lot of stuff in the power play as well in terms of mm-hmm. moving the puck when you get to those kind of second, third parents with some inexperienced, So I think Harvard's been kind of looking for that um, right combination all year to help, uh, help settle those down.
2: Now, Harvard's also got one of the top freshmen in, in Division One hockey this year, uh, Nick Abruzzizzi with uh, He's got 44 points. I think Alex Newhook and he are pretty much the, uh, one of them is going to win the, the freshman scoring race this year. Uh, and I know a lot of Toronto Maple Leaf fans are pretty excited about this guy. I think they got him as a, a mid-round steal. Uh, from what you've seen, uh, is he living up or exceeding expectations this year?
4: Yeah, it's always tough. Um, you know, you never put too much stock into what guys are going to do. You know, coming to college hockey, I've seen guys who are hyped up and then don't do a ton or guys you don't hear about and, and they explode. So there's always so much hype you can buy into, I think. Um, but I think he's definitely lived up to his expectations, obviously. Um, you know, I don't think his guy is going to leave right away. I think he probably has a little more experience that he could – um, he could gain at Harvard, but I'd kind of be surprised if this continues to be stays all four years. Okay. Um, other, two, other guys, too, he's got Jack Drury and Casey Thornbach on his line. Those are two very skilled players as well.
2: Okay. I want to ask about Drury because he, he also was having a, a pretty strong offensive season, and uh, I believe Carolina, I think, uh, was the team that, that drafted him. Could he? Do you think he's uh, back for another year or two, or do you think uh, he could be a guy that, that leaves after this year?
4: Um. Yeah, you know, I haven't really heard anything um, either way about him. I believe he's a junior. I have to double check. Um, or Soft- sophomore, excuse me. No, I have yeah. to double Yeah, sophomore, sophomore. Yep. Um, but I haven't heard anything about him. But, you know, sometimes you think these guys, um, you know, are going to stay and they, and they end up leaving. I look at, at uh, throughout the playoffs, I look at Dartmouth and Drew O'Connor, who's a sophomore. He had a great year and there's reports that the, uh, you know, Pittsburgh will be signing him. So sometimes, there are guys they think, oh, you know, they they're, they're going to be staying, and then and then they disappear. So I guess it all depends on the uh, on the right situation, and and you know, if it's good for them to go.
2: Yeah, John Farinacci, another one to watch there uh, with Harvard. Uh, the uh, Clarkson and Colgate matchup, though, uh, do you expect that that uh, is is this a sweep for Clarkson? I mean, that's that looks like a pretty strong team there again.
4: Yeah, they're they're a pretty strong team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I think Colgate could maybe steal a game. Um, they have a pair of good goaltenders, excuse me, and, uh, Andrew Ferrier and, uh, Mitch Benson, ex- Benson, excuse me. Actually, um, Ferrier kind of took over the second half of the year and was playing well and then went to a little, uh, spin, And actually, Mitch Benson has played the last two weekends, including the playoffs, and he's played pretty well. So certainly, you know, if you get a hot goaltender, that makes, uh, you know, the ability to cover up mistakes and, and maybe some things that would, would get past you and it helps cover those up. But I would be very surprised, especially on the road, if, uh, Colgate is able to knock off Clarkson.
2: All right. What is it about Clarkson that makes them so tough?
4: Um, they just kinda of like Cornell. They combine that they have the size but they also have a lot of skill as well. They just don't don't give up a lot of good opportunities, um, you know, scoring wise. And also, um they have a great goaltender now, uh, Frank.
2: Frank Morat, yeah, yeah, another. Another right. Canadian, holy nice.
4: another Canadian. Yes, um I was uh, blanking on I was last saying for a sec, but he's gonna to be top five in every major category at the uh A. Um, because they had a very strong goaltender last year in Jake, uh, Kylie. And then Frank, when came in as a grad transfer from, uh, Robert Morrison has been, you know, just a great, if not better, um, this year. And that just, you know, <clears throat> as I talked to Casey Jones, their coach earlier in the year, he said, you know, a great goaltender like that, that maybe lets you steal a game or two. Mm-hmm. So the year, what if you had a good goaltender that might result in a, in a loss? So he's certainly have them, you know, steal a couple of games where maybe they haven't been on their A game, um, all season.
2: All right. Uh, looking forward and past this weekend, uh, then you, you've already said that uh, Cornell is the favorite uh, to come out of uh, out of the conference uh, with the uh, the automatic bid to the national championship. Um, who is the leading contender in your mind? To uh, if it's not Cornell, who would it be? And and how many teams do you think from the conference get into the national championship?
4: I'd have to say if if someone's going to knock off Cornell, I'd have to say it's Clarkson. You know, they haven't um, they haven't beaten Cornell this year. and then, then again, three teams have. Um, I do think they can match up with them, um as well as anyone in the conference. And I wouldn't put it past Quinnipiac either um to uh to, you know, knock off Cornell with uh Petrizelli and that they actually uh, beat Cornell five nothing at home mm. uh probably about a month ago and RPI as well, uh, I believe. Uh I apologize, RPI did not beat Cornell. Um but I, I would definitely see Quinnipiac and maybe Clarkson and right now, um, as a prayer wise standing stand, obviously um that can change you know, down the road, but I believe right now only Clarkson and Cornell are, uh, are locked to get in. Quinnipiac's right in the bubble, yeah. so they certainly need to, to win this weekend and then maybe even make it to the league championship game. Um, and RPI, Harvard, and Colgate would, would need to uh, most likely win out if, if they want. They would not be uh, in bigotry for an at-large bid the tournament.
2: Well, it sets up for an exciting weekend of hockey, that's for sure. Uh, Nate, I really appreciate your time. Everybody can read your stuff at USCHO, and you're you're on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle?
4: Uh, it's at Owen 41
2: Excellent. Uh, thanks for your time, Nate. Appreciate it. All right, you guys. Thank you. That was Nate Owen, a writer with uh, U.S. College Hockey Online, also known as USCHO, and a great look ahead to, or what would have been ahead to the uh, ECAC uh, tournament. Unfortunately, uh, that, with everything else, has been uh, at least delayed, probably scrapped. Uh, and you really got to feel for the seniors who, that's it. You know, you didn't even get to play your last game. You're just done. Um, and I already saw, basketball-wise, some discussion about how maybe uh, they get seniors another year. I wonder how many uh, senior hockey players would take advantage of that uh, and uh, play another year. Not sure how that works out academically or not, but uh, got a feel for... Uh, guys who were in their final year of eligibility and uh just had the season ended on them uh, rather than you don't get to play your last game and, and you know it's one thing to to play and lose and not continue on but to not even be able to play uh it's got to be tough for those guys all right one more segment left to go in this week's uh, weird episode of the pipeline show we're gonna ha- have a conversation with a, a scout named uh, ben wilkins he uh works for hockeyprospect.com. We do that throughout the year, chat with guys from HP, and uh, pick their brain on how they see players who are eligible for the 2020 draft. Well, Ben uh, sits about 20 feet away from me at uh, Rogers Place in downtown Edmonton during a uh, WHL games. So we'll pick his brain about some guys out of the WHL's Eastern Conference, as well as a, a trio of players from the Alberta Junior Hockey League. They're headed to college, but uh, notable players right around the city here so uh, ben has seen everybody we'll chat with him next here on the pipeline show Soretsky, mitchell one-time shot scores ian mitchell this kid's been red hot here on this road trip he's got goals in back-to-back games and he opens the scoring here
1: hi this is ian mitchell this boost Grove saints and you're listening to the pipeline show
0: There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker, and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
4: You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool.
2: Back on the Pipeline Show, and time for one more segment for this week's episode, and uh, we do it throughout the season. We uh, like to chat with uh, a scout from HockeyProspect.com, and uh, this week, uh, we're going to talk about some guys in the Western Hockey League, and that means uh, Ben Wilkins. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Ben. How are you?
5: good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, no problem. Uh, I see you all the time at the uh, Oil Kings games, and so uh, you're you're the right guy to chat about uh, some Western Hockey Leaguers uh, that are eligible uh, for the NHL draft this year. Maybe we'll start with the guy right here in Edmonton in Jake Neighbors. And, uh, and I, would like to get your take on him, uh, on a guy that maybe, uh, for me, his role has increased as the season has gone on and his responsibility and his performance has also uh, risen to the, to the challenge. Uh, when you watch Jake Neighbors, what do you see?
5: Um, yeah, exactly. He's, uh, definitely a player that I saw, um, improving a lot through this year. um, you know, I see I see him playing as a very um, kind of a, a feisty player with a good compete level. Um, you know, a good 200 foot game. He's always back in his own zone, helping out his D men um, before he actually gets out and breaks out the uh, breaks out into the zone and and helps uh, push the puck up the zone and and even in the uh, the offensive zone, he's hustling hard and um, a, a very NHL ready shot. So he's very dangerous on uh, both ends of the ice.
2: I know there were questions from some people about his offensive production. Would he be able to produce? Uh, he's got 70 points in 64 games this year, so I think he's answered that to some degree. Uh, but are there still areas of his game that you're waiting to see uh, develop and, and, and maybe have some question marks about? Uh,
5: for me, I mean, he definitely answered those, those questions with the uh, defensive, offensive productions, as you said. But uh, you know, for me, uh, I see skating might being a, a part of his game that might need improving. Um, you know, for for a player that might go you know late first round, early second round, you almost expect to see uh, more of an explosive skating stride coming out of him. But um, yeah, so definitely going forward on the skating level for me, that's what I see.
2: All right, fair enough. I think that's a fair assessment. I also think that uh, consistency for me is one of those things for him. But I think at this age, there's a lot of guys that fall into that category, and uh, I think he's become more uh, consistent, but still. Uh, has a ways to go there as well. Uh, some of the other guys we want to chat about, there's a couple that play for the Brandon Weekings. Uh, one of them is on the show this week as well. And that's a uh, defenseman, Braden Schneider, a uh, big guy, 42 points in 60 games this year. Uh, but if he, when I chatted with him, he thought he considered himself more of a, I mean, a two way guy, but a leaning a little bit more to the defensive zone. Yet he's got 42 points, a pretty well-rounded player.
5: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I only saw him, I think the once this year, but, uh, um he's definitely you know a smooth skater good footwork uh great acceleration um you know he's definitely one of the top defenders in this year's draft uh got some great hockey iq um you know he's always looking looking to make the play before he actually gets the puck so he's got that game plan in his head um you know so you like seeing those, those players that are always thinking um but uh you know yet yeah, especially with the, the 42 points you don't um. So, yeah, no, he's he's definitely going to be a, a good player moving forward.
2: Only seven goals, though, so he's more of the start-to-play-out-of-his-own-back-end kind of guy than he's not necessarily the, the trigger man on the power play, uh, not that sort of offensive player. The physical side to his game I really like, though, and I don't know if you were there for the Holenka-Gretzky couple a couple years ago here in Edmonton, but, you know, as an underage guy, he was a standout on that team. Uh, at times as well playing that physical role and that's one of the things i think that separates him a little bit from some of the other high-end guys available this year is that physical play do you agree
5: yeah no exactly he's uh you know definitely he's the big body down back there in the, uh, in the back end so um you know, he's definitely not the type of player that I'd want to want to meet in the corners.
2: Hmm. Now, the other uh, defenseman high out of the WHL this year would be Caden Gooley, uh from the Prince Albert Raiders. We'll get to the other Brandon Weeking in a second, but for for Gooley and another guy I just had on the show actually, uh, but it, in point production really similar to Schneider. To me, they're a little bit they're different players though, even though you know size wise they're they're kind of comparable. But what do you see when you uh, watch Caden Gooley?
5: Um, it's what I kind of found on when I was watching, uh, Gouli was, uh, his, his acceleration was definitely, um, kind of hit me off guard. It doesn't take him a lot of steps to, um, kind of break out and be at top speed. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was almost deceptive. Like you're coming out of the corner, you would just almost blow past the forwards and then have a break on the other side for Prince Albert, which is uh, good to see for, a, for such a, a tall defenseman
2: yeah it's funny when I mentioned the the production is basically the same yet in my mind, when I think of Gooley, I think more offense and when I think of Schneider, I think more defense just kind of a different mental picture that I have of of both guys yet the production is is similar i, I don't know really know how to explain that, but um one of the the biggest assets for goly would you say skating
5: skating yes definitely yeah he's uh he's does an excellent job of his skating uh, very good on his feet um you know plays his angles well uh with the attacking forwards coming in closes the gap well um very mobile on his feet so he doesn't uh doesn't give the forwards a lot of chances when they're coming in
2: now the uh, the latest rankings that i've seen uh, from hockey prospect would be end of january and i believe uh of the two schneider was the higher ranked but um if if uh Gulli is outside of the first round probably not that far outside the first round Yeah,
5: exactly. If he does make it into the first round, I don't see him going too much farther into the second round. I'm sure someone would be more than willing to grab him up pretty quick.
2: All right. The other Brandon King that I was alluding to is uh, Ridley Grigg. Uh, I did have a chance to watch him in person a a couple of weeks ago. The Old Kings were in Brandon and I was at that game. Uh, I I really enjoyed watching him play in that one. He was really feisty and uh, his motor never stops and and he's got some skill too, Uh, but I'm not the scout. What do you see when you watch uh, Ridley Grigg?
5: Uh you no know, exactly you put the the uh, hammer on the head of the nail there um, very definitely hard working uh, hard nosed forechecking type of game um, you know I grew up in Ontario watching the Leafs and so I, I see a lot of uh, Zach Hyman and and, and uh, Greg here he's uh, hmm. definitely the hardest skater on most shifts there going into the zone causing a lot of turnovers um, you know isn't afraid to make a hit or take a hit to make a play so um, you always need one of those at least one of those players on your team to to be successful so
2: not a six foot two or a six foot three you know 210 pound agitating power forward like that but he's he's a bit of a thorn isn't he i think i i've seen him listed about 170 pounds or so but has a way of just getting under the opposition skin
5: yeah exactly he's uh you know very kind of almost a defenseless nightmare there he's always always skating always moving always trying to hit something so
2: yeah, 60 points this year uh, already, including 26 goals. So uh, he's one of uh, the the key offensive guys uh, for the uh, the Brandon Weekings. Uh Now another forward going back to Prince Albert is Ozzy Weisblatt. He's got four other uh, or three other hockey playing brothers, but he seems to be the most talented of the group that we've seen thus far. Um, and Ozzy kind of similar to some degree to to Ridley Gregg in that he's a a bit of a gnat, an annoying guy out there, but couple that with a lot of skill too.
5: Exactly, yeah. You know, he's definitely uh, I saw a lot of similarities when I watched the two. Um, you know, Ozzy's definitely um you know, he he uses his speed uh to his advantage. He, he uses you know, breaks into his zone and uses his speed to disrupt plays or or forces the defenseman to make mistakes. They're very similar games showing their abilities to to uh, be a hard forechecker. checker.
2: 70 points uh, in uh, 64 games uh, for Ozzie Weisblatt coming into this weekend's play. Uh, You know, with him and Ridley Grigg, do you have concerns uh, at all? Or, uh, again, I'll I'll use question marks as a a label, but are there things you're seeing in in these players that uh, maybe are still waiting to come around for them in their development?
5: Um, Well, you mentioned uh, consistency uh, earlier with one of the other players. And, you know, with players at this age, um, you know, they definitely have a lot of progression to go, a lot to learn. Um, you know, as they move forward, they'll, they'll get more and more coaches and um, I'm sure they'll, um, you know, they'll learn to, to, you know, have those, you know, the, maybe the one-off good shift and have that spread out to the whole game instead of just having, you know, maybe one good shift and one bad shift. They'll have to have that consistency spread through the entirety of the game.
2: One other WHL guy I wanted to ask you about uh, is a uh, defenseman, Luke Prokop, with the uh, the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, and here is a big physical more stay at home type defenseman, but uh, again, another smooth skating guy, uh, but 6'4 and about 215, 220 pounds. So uh, he is definitely a handful. Uh, I haven't seen Pro Cup play all that much. I know I think right now he might be banged up, but uh, when you've seen the Hitman, uh, what stands out for you?
5: Um, yeah, he's definitely more of the three defensemen we've talked today. He's definitely the, the more of the defensive minded player. He's, uh, you know, He obviously uses his size to his advantage. He um, you know, when battles in the corner and boxes players that are in front of the net, he's uh, you know, he tries to help the goalie yet as much as possible. Um, so, you know, just being in his own crease, he's, he's able to, um, you know, be the strong physical uh, defensive minded defenseman you want in your own zone. Um, but he also does that, you know, smarter he, he he's only racked up their 30 penalty minutes. So, um, mm. you know, he, he doesn't put his team down by taking bad, uh,
2: bad mistakes. Ben Wilkins is my guest. He's a scout with HockeyProspect.com. Check them out uh, for uh, all the latest rankings and stuff for the uh, upcoming NHL draft. There are also three guys in the Alberta Junior Hockey League I wanted to touch on quickly. Two of them with the uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders. What a year the Crusaders have had. Uh, But Carter Savoy Michael Benning, two guys probably expected to both be second, maybe third rounders uh, if they happen to slip that far. But uh, let's start with Savoy, 99 points this year in just 54 games, both of them going to uh, the University of Denver when they're uh, ready to go, as long as they continue going the, the college path and don't detour to the WHL. But uh, tell me uh, your thoughts on Carter Savoy.
5: Yeah, Carter Savoy, he's definitely, um, you know, a goal-producing machine, especially this year. I think he's put up 53 goals this year. And, uh, you know, it's definitely the, the goalie's nightmare because uh, he has a, a shot that's, if not there, it's an NHL-ready shot. Um, you know when he's determined to get to the net it's it's hard to get him not there um I remember one one game the the uh the defenseman full on dragged him down and uh you know he still got up and got the shot off and you know had an unbelievable goal um so when he's on, he's on but uh you know the same thing from it's that consistency thing you were talking about um right you just got he's gotta learn to you know have that that level of drive through the entire sixty minutes.
2: Yeah, uh, and I, you're not the first person that's told me that. And I wondered if it was, you know, offensively really, really good. Defensively, uh, might not be there uh, all the time that commitment to playing in his own uh, end of the or his own half of the ice. Uh, and that um, determination or motivating doesn't always look like a motivated player uh, every night. But again, uh, at uh, 17, 18, a lot of guys fall into that category. Michael Benning, a talented defenseman, really small but big number, 75 points for the crew this year, also going to Denver. Uh, his older brother is uh, Matthew Benning, plays with the Oilers. His dad was an NHLer as well. Uh, Michael Benning, uh, he, well, he comes, it's in his genes. Uh, what do you see from Michael Benning?
5: Um, he's a fun player to watch. He's definitely, um, you know, he doesn't have the size on his, on his side, but, um, you know, he's very calm, shows that he has high, high IQ when he's skating um you know he's definitely the, the 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 power play quarterback on the team like he's has the strong abilities to bring the puck up the ice um you know people have talked about uh comparing him to uh former or uh Kyle McCar um and uh, i mean i don't see him being quite that level but he's definitely following the footsteps of uh, of that player so um you know it's, it's good good things to have happen to
2: him I wonder if there's another uh former AJHLer like Ian Mitchell who's in uh, uh well he's about to finish up at Denver so Benning basically will take his spot uh with the Pioneers but uh, he played in uh in Spruce Grove and put up the offensive numbers as well and uh now ready to turn pro with the Chicago Blackhawks in a month or so uh but that's Michael Benning uh, we're chatting about um who between he and Savoy do you have do you have a personal preference who you you would take before the other guy?
5: Um I mean, it, it depends on on the team and what they're looking for, but personally, I would take uh, more of a, a Benning type player. I mean, he's more of a you know, you always have the, the saying of defense uh, defense wins championships, but um, right. you know, I like having seen that type of small player and his uh, determination to um, bring that puck up the ice and and get into the uh, the offensive zone and, and create uh, create chances that way.
2: All right, the last player wanted to uh, ask about another AJHL guy, defenseman. With the Spruce Grove Saints, uh, that that is Ian Mitchell's former team, and uh, not a big guy here either. And, and Ethan Edwards uh, listed at five ten and about 170 pounds. Doesn't have the offensive numbers that Benning does, but this is still a player that's on the radar for a lot of people. Uh, you've seen him. Tell me what you like.
5: Um, yeah, he's definitely very very similar to uh, what Benning uh, shows, but he's more I'd say raw, more of a raw player. Um, you know, he's he's quick on his feet. He's very um, you know, he's very confident when he's skating, um and he's you know, definitely the smaller player, so he's not gonna be the guy that goes you know, physical and um and anything like that. But um he's uh you know, he's a hard worker, he's he's uh he's not shy to going into the corners and boxing at the attackers and, and getting the puck back. Um but, you know, it's definitely more, more raw. So he's gotta hone in on those skills and uh in order to be successful when he's moving forward.
2: All right. Well, he's headed to the University of Michigan next year or the year after, uh, but eventually his path takes him uh, to the Wolverines. Uh, all right, Ben, listen, I really appreciate your time. I guess we'll see you down at the rink as long as uh, they keep letting fans into the building.
5: Yeah, all right. Exactly.
2: All right. Thanks for your time, Ben.
5: All right. Thank you for having me. This was awesome.
2: All right, a great rundown of some of the guys eligible for the 2020 NHL Draft uh, out of the WHL's uh, Eastern Conference, courtesy Ben Wilkins from HockeyProspect.com. You can always uh, check out their website. Uh, The uh, rankings, the first round that they have is always posted there. And uh, subscribe to get to some of the uh, scouting reports. And uh, wait for the black book. Who knows when that's going to be coming out as everything uh, being pushed or suspended at least and pushed back and delayed. Who knows when the uh, draft actually will come around. Uh, But the Black Book will get you prepared once it's ready for uh, public consumption. Great job. Hockeyprospect.com always brings the goods in time for the NHL draft. That does it for this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Moving forward, again, I mentioned at the start of the show, kind of uh, playing it by ear. Uh, We'll continue to have shows every week, but they probably won't have four guests or or five guests like uh, most of the episodes do. They might not be. You know, an hour and a half long, like most episodes are. We are in uh, uncharted territory uh, with this whole uh, virus stuff going around. So we'll continue talking hockey. If I can get 2020 draft spotlights uh, set up, I will continue to do that, talking with uh, players who are uh, draft eligible. Don't know what the uh, what the day-to-day operations for teams will be uh, right now moving forward. They may have just, you know, given a lot of people uh, time off. Uh, so uh, players might not be available won't know until i try to uh, start setting those up but there'll be media uh, people that i can speak with and so the plan is to uh, continue uh, having shows and uh, if there is any particular subject you'd like uh, to talk about uh, you can let me know if there's a person in particular you'd like me to get on the show might be a good time to track down some uh, former players and talk about uh, the things that they've uh, gone through since their junior or college careers and into uh, of professional hockey and they can look back on their careers and things like that we can we can think outside the box and you can help but uh, let me know via twitter at tps_gee. underscore gee. you can also uh, email me gee at thepipelineshow.com and at the end of every show i usually say uh get out and watch some junior college hockey so that we can talk about it next week but we can't do that so instead i'll just say uh stay safe and we'll chat next week Till then my name is key flaming see ya